0: Well, you'll hear Psalm 23 again in another way, and we're trying to listen to this scripture and hear what it has to say to us this day. And so by hearing it in the message, hearing it sung to us, and hearing it read to us, perhaps in a way that's most familiar, I'll be reading Psalm 23 in New King James Version. The Hebrew scriptures are, especially the poetry of the Psalms, is very difficult to translate, very difficult to translate. And so the translations are very different depending on New Revised Standard Version, NIV, King James, but for some reason, King James. uh, That is the translation for Psalm 23. So let's look at the Psalm 23 today in the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you pray with me? Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 23 uses the images of shepherding and feasting as a way to describe God's relationship with humanity. I think when we think about these two images, feasting is something that we're familiar with. Our Facebook feeds are filled with images of people feasting, having meals, sharing that with other people. That's a very common thing. It's a part of our daily life context. But as Kathy said, shepherding is a bit unfamiliar. It's a bit unfamiliar to us. But to the people who wrote this text, Those were two images that were daily life, cultural context pieces for them, shepherding and feasting. And so just for a second, I want us all to close our eyes. Just for a second, close your eyes. And when I say the word shepherd and sheep, what do you think about? What's the image that pops up into your mind? Just think about that for a second. Okay, open your eyes. If you go back one slide too, real quick. So when I think about shepherding, I think about driving down I-5, going south, passing by Harris Ranch. In my mind, I think of that. I think of this domesticated farm where there's fences put up around animals. Humans bring food, water to those animals. That's the kind of farm life that I'm sort of familiar with. But maybe in your mind, you're not thinking of that. Maybe you're thinking of something more along the lines of this photo. This is a photo of a shepherd who's living in uh, Romania, I believe. Maybe you're thinking of something like that, something out in the wilderness, in the wild, a person who's actually guiding and moving the sheep themselves to food, to graze, also to water. He leads me beside still waters and leads me to lie down in green pastures. I think that's the kind of shepherd the biblical text invites us to imagine because... It is about movement, it's about God guiding us and moving us, not being a stagnant people. If we are God's people and we are the sheep, we're not stuck inside of a little fence, but it's about a journey. It's about a journey that God is moving us through from green pastures to waters, to those places where God restores our soul. The Christian journey is goal-oriented. It's goal-oriented. It's not about being stagnant, but it's about moving in a particular kind of direction. Here at Trinity Presbyterian Church, you've heard me mention this before. You've heard Pastor Mary mention this. One of the journeys that this church is on is this thing called the common language for the spiritual goal. We're trying to uh, develop a way for all of us here at Trinity to deepen our relationships with God, but also our relationships with one another so that we can have conversations about what it means to be on this Christian journey, this goal-oriented journey of the Christian life. This is the goal that we've named. It's knowing Jesus so intimately that we become like him. Knowing Jesus so intimately that we become like him. That's the spiritual goal. That's where we're headed. When I think about Psalm 23 and the idea of movement between pastures and the water and where God is guiding us and calls us to follow him, I often think about the places in between those spots. I wonder if the places in between pasture and water are hard. I wonder if those paths are the paths of righteousness that verse 3 talks about, that God is leading us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. It's not us going where we want to go, but us following after where God wants us to go. And those places in between, The grass and the water, I think they may be sometimes hard paths, but they're the paths that God wants for us. They may be uncomfortable paths. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean by that. Four years ago, in 2011, around this time, I was still at Princeton Theological Seminary working on my Masters of Divinity. And one of the prerequisites to become an ordained Presbyterian minister is that you have to do a three-month full-time internship at a hospital. Uh, and the hospital settings vary quite a bit. The one that I worked at was Trenton Psychiatric Hospital, just down the road from Princeton. It's, it was built in 1834. It was one of the first psychiatric hospitals in the East Coast. This was not a place that family members sent family members to. If you were longing to have a family member get well, if something wasn't right with them, this isn't the place that you would send them. This was a place that the court sent people to go to. If they had found them and they were in real need, um, it was a hard place. People were quartered there if they had committed a, a violent crime of some nature. On our first day, we got key cards to our locked units to go where we were going to be doing ministry, and they made sure to hold on to them because people want to take them and run out of here. This was not an easy place, Trenton. And each one of us interns kind of Dealt with the uncomfortableness a little bit. It was a very uncomfortable place, but me being six foot three and two hundred twenty pounds, I didn't worry too much about my physical well-being. Though I had colleagues who were of a smaller stature, and they were just nervous because people were not medicated, and you didn't know if there would be an outburst if somebody was going through a manic depressive phase. It was it was a hard place. It was uncomfortable, and yet for me, it was a profound place of maturity and relationship with God. There was one particular day when we were leading a worship service in the lunchroom. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Me and two other interns, we had sung some a cappella music. We read some scriptures. And then we asked for prayer requests from the people that were there. There was about 15 people in the room. And one of the people said, can we read Psalm 23 together? Can we pray Psalm 23 and we all looked at each other, the interns, and we said, Yeah, sure. So we grab our Bibles, we start pulling it out, start looking at it. Before we even get there, the whole group of people begin to recite Psalm 23 in memory. And we looked at each other and went, Oh man, we're supposed to be the leaders here. <laughs> and here's this group of people that for them, this was a poem, this was a word of God for them, so much so that they had internalized it and they recited it together often. And it made me wonder, why have I not internalized Psalm 23? Why is this not a part of my prayer life? Why have I not memorized this yet? So I tried to memorize it to the best of my ability afterwards. This past week, I had a conversation with somebody in our church um, who expressed interest in baptism and has been coming here for the last three months. And we just had this amazing conversation. He is from Iran. He's Ali. He's sitting back there right now. He, uh, he has his bachelor's and his master's in material science from the University of Tehran. He's a very smart person. He was invited to come here to give a lecture at a material sciences society. And so he came in March to do that. He came and lectured. He also has some family in town, so he decided to stick around for a while. For him, nine years ago, he met somebody uh, through playing soccer. And so they became friends, and his friend brought him back to his house. And he went to the house, and they were Christians. And he said, whoa, those people, they love each other a lot. That family is living out something different than the way my family lives. There's something unique about that. And so he longed, he had this dream nine years ago, that he would be able to go to a place and to worship God and to learn about Jesus Christ and to grow into his Christian faith. But he couldn't do it where he was living. Until three months ago, when he moved here, he has a family member that lives in San Carlos. His first Sunday in San Carlos, he came to Trinity, Presbyterian Church to, Trinity to Trinity Presbyterian Church to worship. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in a new country, a new religious practice, a totally new place, and going to worship there? I would think that would be perhaps a little anxiety. There would be some un, something uncomfortable about that. And yet he came. And he loved it. And this community was supportive and welcoming to him. And I just thought that is a place for him in coming to worship here that he's been maturing in that goal of knowing Jesus Christ a place in between the grass and the water, that he is maturing in relationship with Christ. It's a beautiful thing. This past week, I had another experience that I want to share with you all. I've been here for seven months. And for the seven months that I've been here, I've been hearing people talk about street church, street church, street church, street church. So I said, fine, I have to go to this thing. I have to go to street church finally. I've heard so much about it. So on Monday night, I went, here's a little photo of it. It happens every Monday, Wednesday night, Redwood City, Tuesday, Thursday night, Menlo Park. There's a ministry, a nonprofit ministry in our area that supports this, they lead it. They have a worship service at seven o'clock. A van shows up after the worship service and they roll out tables, and they serve food to people in our community. Not only that, they have a clothing bank, and they also have toiletry kits that they hand out to persons who really need this the most. While I was there, kind of like that, they weren't there on Monday night, but while we were there, people were passing out food, and I started to talk to one of the people who works for Street Church. He says, Kurt, this is my favorite part of the night. I love watching people serve food. I said, why? Why do you you love that? He said, because I get to see 8-year-olds, 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds serving food to people that they normally just ignore. Normally they ignore them. And yet here they are serving food to them, and they're realizing why they're doing it. Because they are growing up and maturing in their relationship with Christ. Because that's what God would want for them to do, to serve, to clothe, to welcome, to feed homeless people, in their community, not to ignore them. Those right paths, right paths that verse 3 talks about, I wonder if they're uncomfortable, and yet they bring about profound maturity in relationship with God. Eugene Peterson, you heard about him a little bit already in the message reading that we heard earlier. He has this favorite poem he was a Presbyterian pastor. He's retired now, but he's still like a pastor to all pastors and to all people. If you don't know Eugene Peterson, he's brilliant. He has a favorite poem that I want to read. It's by this Norwegian poet. It's, called, it's by Gunnar Kildsen. It says, Odd-shaped pebbles roll and tumble round the rock, which smooths them into five smooth stones, one of which will kill a giant. Eugene Peterson loves this poem because it evokes for him this scene in the palace before that event takes place between David and Goliath. David, when he was a boy, he lived in the palace for a period of time. He was gifted in music, he was gifted in poetry, and so the king wanted him to live in the palace and to play music for him and to write poetry. And now we are the beneficiaries of a lot of that music and that poetry. Probably Psalm 23 came about in that way. But when the king had a need for this fight to take place between Goliath, David volunteered himself. And in the process of volunteering himself, King Saul wanted to give him his armor to protect him in that fight. But instead, David doesn't take the armor. He chooses not to. Instead, he kneels by a brook, he grabs five smooth stones, and he takes those items Because before he was a musician, he was a shepherd. And that's what he used to protect his sheep. When he was on those journeys between the grass and the water, he had those smooth stones to protect his sheep. In those things that bring about maturity in our relationship with God... wonder what they are for all of us. Those righteous paths that God calls us to, to bring about maturity into our lives. What are they? What are those things that we need to be maturing into? Is it things like internalizing, memorizing Psalm 23? Is it inviting somebody to church and actually trusting that God will be present there for them and they will be growing in a relationship with God? Could it be feeding homeless people? Could it be doing that tomorrow night? Could it be doing that with Home and Hope in August? What's that place that God is leading you to to help you nurture that relationship of moving you down that goal-oriented journey with God? That's my question this morning. And I invite you just to meditate on that for a few seconds, and then I'll close us in prayer and we'll move on. Gracious God, you do make us to lie down in green pastures and you restore our soul beside still waters. And so we're thankful for that, God. We're thankful for the way that you grow us and that we follow after you who you are our shepherd. So we thank you for that, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.